Diversity. We all know how important it is. We all know how hard it is. But do we really know what its true value is? I've come to see diversity in all its forms as um, almost as an investment that is costly at first in many different ways, um, but that is, I think, necessary both to solve the most complex problems and to arrive at the most innovative solutions. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. Diego Antoneda Benavides is co-founder and CEO of the Latin American Leadership Academy. The Academy works with high school age students with the intent of creating a new generation of Latin leaders. Recently, he was a presenter at a session of the Vanguard Network's New Leaders Program. Vanguard's program is designed for college students from around the world who have already demonstrated an aptitude for leadership. Benavides and the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta talked about diversity and leadership. Here are some of the highlights, which include questions from several of the students in the New Leaders Program. I'll start the conversation by just asking you to tell us a little bit about uh, Latin American Leadership Academy and, and what it does and how you, why, how you founded it. So, so in short, Latin American Leadership Academy, or LALA, uh, in short, is a nonprofit institution founded in Latin America uh, that aims to solve two very big problems. One is very top-down. Uh, we're trying to say, how do we create the conditions to address the biggest systemic problems in Latin America? So think things like income inequality, poor education, racism, violence against women, corruption, protecting the Amazon. Rather like, like what, what has to happen so that we actually have a fighting chance against those kind of problems? That was the first motivation. The second motivation was a little bit more micro, more human. And it was that for most Latin Americans, accessing the kind of opportunities, resources, training that everyone in this call has been able to access is virtually impossible. So we wanted to democratize that kind of access, but in particular for the people who wanted to use that access to solve big problems in the world. Uh, like not just the person that wants that access and those big brands to, to become rich, but the people that want to solve big problems. You know, one thing that uh, I wondered about was uh, how, uh, how did you end up in this uh, area? You started out in a play in very, I'd say, quote unquote, uh, mainstream areas at Stanford. You were at McKinsey. What led you down this uh, different path? I started, I started my career in consulting at McKinsey in San Francisco, in part because uh, coming out of college, I didn't quite know where I wanted to go. I knew I cared about international development, fighting poverty, but I didn't know exactly where or how. Um, after a long and difficult thought process, I ended up concluding that I might find that passion, that fire, that motivation if I was in the trenches, like really in the in the front line of an organization or work dedicated to social impact through networks. I heard about African Leadership Academy that they were looking for this chief of staff role. Uh, that jump was very difficult, right? To leave consulting, all the earnings potential that that career held 
the prestige, the status of consulting, living in San Francisco, to go to a nonprofit in the outskirts of Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, that was a difficult change, um, but it ended up being the right one. I was happier, much more fulfilled. I met incredible people. Uh, I, I think I grew maybe even faster as a professional because of the org, because of the work, because of the people, uh, the role that I was in. So, I mean, that's a little bit of what took me out of the main path and towards African Leadership Academy. Yes, um, I have a question actually for Diego. Um, so I'm from Brazil. Uh, really love the, the South American initiative leadership. How do you um, personally address those different cult the cultural differences um, in your leadership style and how like does that affect the way you communicate with your team? I've come to see diversity in all its forms as um, almost as an investment that is costly at first in many different ways, um, but that is, I think, necessary both to solve the most complex problems and to arrive at the most innovative solutions. And I mean, diversity, international, socioeconomic, uh, of age, disciplines that people studied, industries or sectors that people have worked in or that they're excited about. So for example, in our team, we have everything from rich to poor, um, young and old, uh, team members from India, to Mozambique. Um, actually, the, the kind of diversity that I find hardest to, to, to work around is that we have both business types or you know, traditional business types and traditional kind of like social justice nonprofit types. Um, that's a caricature. We also have people that, that navigate both beautifully, but there's situations like, for example, Black Lives Matter, the people who were born in the social justice camp, for them, having Lala not speak up immediately, again, like to support Black Lives Matter, was equivalent to us being in Nazi Germany and not speaking up. On the other hand, the business types immediately gravitated to like, well, what's the point of us speaking up to this US movement? And crucially, what's the precedent that this is going to set for us as an institution? What comes next? Venezuela? Do we have to speak again about Venezuela? Do we have to speak about gay rights? Do we have to speak about marriage? Do we have, like, where's the line? And if you make a public announcement once, right? So both very strong positions. And that's just one example. It happens again and again and again. From a leadership behaviors angle, a couple of things that I do. One is uh, making sure that diversity is front and center, starting at the hiring uh, stage, really. Trying, making the, the extra investments in making sure that we are bringing in the diversity into the team to create a diversity, equity, inclusion, and access committee, and to really start bringing these conversations to the forefront and it's now a multi-department multi team where they talk about diversity, inclusion, access, DIA at the level of student search and selection, at the level of curriculum, at the level of speakers, mentors, team, and so on. 
The third one, in terms of how I tend to approach these things, I tend to be on purpose, a quieter voice in meetings, trying to listen, learn, get other people to speak up, promote dialogue, elevate more voices so that we can arrive at, um, at a shared understanding that is hopefully better than, than either group getting their position to win. Yeah, I was going to, uh, I was thinking too, you know, when Diego was speaking that uh, in my experience, uh, really diverse groups are incredibly messy to deal with. The meetings take forever. There are you know, a lot of sometimes even shouting and difficulties, but uh, that's a good sign of a good uh, group, actually. And if you have a very uh, kind of happy, uh, always friendly, you know, sort of team, uh, that's actually a problem because it means they're all too homogenous and uh, they're seeing things the same way. And uh, it'll be a very pleasant meeting, but it won't actually be as valuable a meeting. So you have to almost expect uh, friction and, and uh, lack of understandings and all kinds of stuff to have really good meetings. It's a very interesting concept. Um, Philippe, you were being very patient there. What did you want to talk about? Well, thank you very much, uh, Diego, for being here. Just one, one quick quick question. Uh, where are you from, Diego? I'm from Lima. From Lima? Okay, great. So uh, maybe my, my question would be a bit about your yeah, leadership, but also about like what Lat Latin America is living nowadays, right? Uh, so as you're from Lina, Lima and all my colleagues here from Latin America, we're, we are living a very hard moment in, in our history, right? Uh, very difficult. Uh, we see societies that are very polarized. Uh, we see a lot of problems. Chile has uh, his socialist strike two years ago. Colombia has something this year. Um, and as you're working with uh, uh, Latin, Latin American leaders, I, I cannot ask this. And it's like, how do you see, or, or these people that you are working, you are forming these new leaders, what do you think are the keys that they need to have to reconcile or to unite again uh, this continent that is like living a historical moment uh, now? Uh, and what are the ways that, that those leaders in the future will need to do uh, to repair and to build better better countries? Some, some thoughts. One, and, and this is connected to how you might all think about your careers and you know, how long to go to places uh, like McKinsey or other kind of like waypoint industries. And then figuring out like, oh, where do I, when do I make the jump uh, to really you know, enter the arena and fight the fight? A couple, of, a couple of observations from my journey. One is that like we, we tend to think a lot about how money compounds. Like, oh, you should make a lot of money earlier on and invest it because that growth compounds. Um, we often don't think about how some societal problems might also compound. Um, uh, this is not an original idea. I've, I've heard it from someone else, uh, but it's really interesting. Uh, we're seen in the States, seen in Latin America, elsewhere in the world. I like sometimes some problems compound to the point that you end up with a Venezuela, um, like Chile, Peru, several other countries, uh, because sometimes societal problems, economic problems will spill over into the political. And then um, you end up having this very large dissatisfaction with the standard system, the standard system that you know, is betting on, you know, uh, stable economic growth, market dynamics, and so on. 
And when enough people lose confidence in that system, every now and then populist leaders emerge that say, actually, I'm going to break that system. And enough people say like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we need. So I think it's important, especially for business leaders to get their, ne- their heads out of focusing too narrowly on their own business and saying, what's my role in societal, political, economic development at large? And I'm, I'm seeing that, for example, in, with some business leaders in Peru right now. They're like, oh, what if Peru becomes Venezuela? And I'm like, yeah, what did you do about it the last 30 years, the last 40 years? It's kind of like how they say uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Next best time is right now. I think it's very similar about these kind of societal problems. So I think that's one thing for you guys to think about as you think about when do I make that jump into some problem in the world that I might care about. It might grow faster uh, than you think. That was Ken Banta and Diego Antoneda Benavides at one of the sessions for the Vanguard Network's New Leaders Program. Benavides is CEO of LALA, the Latin American Leadership Academy. Podcasts like this are just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.